basically it's going to be pretty informal. Um, I think we're just going to ask you guys to like reflect on your week and your experience at the festival. Also, you know, talk about some films uh, that maybe surprised you or interested you, that kind of stuff. Yeah, your favourite yeah. stuff that you've written or, like, learned. So maybe, yeah. do you reckon we should go around a table and just introduce yourselves, where you're from, and, what, like, a highlight of myth yeah. so far? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Hi, I'm Zoe. I'm from Melbourne, and my highlight of myth was uh, probably going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I also really enjoyed Animals and... Monos and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, cool. Good calls. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm from Sydney. Uh, I have a few different highlights from the festival, but I think probably the most interesting cinema experience I had was seeing Present Perfect, um, partly because of the moments that there was a, a mass exodus at the moments when people <laughs> stayed. Um, uh, for not that controversial film, but but my favourite film remains Your Face, which is which is also a slow movie that a couple people I'm walked out of. this afternoon. It's Gary. really, really, really good. Cool. But just let it wash over you because it takes a while. <laughs> cool, thanks. Yeah, my name's Luke. I was born in Bendigo but live in Melbourne now. Um, my highlight from the festival was I mean, it was probably seeing Tommaso by Abel Ferrara. It's just like such a crazy, honest film that made me feel a lot of things. Um, and also, maybe walking out of Dead Don't Die and being surrounded by like seven people who told me it sucked when I, <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Claire. I'm from Sydney. Um, my highlight would probably be Pain and Glory. Um, also, a big fan of Fly, which I wrote if you want. <laughs> so, please read. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> Sydney but I just moved out to Melbourne like two months ago. I guess my favourite film I've seen so far was Harmony Carinza Beach Bum which just left me like brimming from ear to ear like it's so absurd and hilarious and fun. <laughs> hey I'm Michael I'm from Sydney um, and I think a highlight so far filmically was me and Claire watching Sequin in a Blue Room uh, via screener in our hotel room. And uh, maybe like 30 minutes after the movie ending, realising that uh, my room opens onto a direct view of a block of apartments who are definitely watching in on like explicit gay sex scenes on the TV. Um, yeah. We got to see from the perspective of that apartment as well. <laughs> uh, so did you know each other before going in? You've all... Um, met that kind of stuff. What's it been like? We, uh, the Melbourne people met uh, sort of a week before, and we went and got some drinks, which was nice. But we were on, we were on the group chat. We were talking for a bit, so I felt I didn't feel weird when I met the rest of you. It felt like we knew each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah. The Sydney people. The Sydney people. <laughs> yeah, well, in true the Sydney people fashion, we all three of us knew each other already. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, through various connections. Both Mikey and I did stuff with SFF, although Mikey really did stuff with SFF, um, and we all have a mutual friend. I'm not sure on. if you're allowed to mention a competing uh, <laughs> festival on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we all sort of are fairly close friends, so we just sort of 
Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 I think that was then another mutual. Yeah. Yeah. And for people who don't know, rough cut formed by essentially the entire Critics Campus cohort from last year. Yeah. Most, yeah. 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 Um, so, okay, well, tell us then about the experience. How have you found it? What, what surprised you about Critics Campus? Probably how flat out it was. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think I was warned, but it was still quite, like, intense. Like, you know, going to the panels, um, watching movies, like, um, having to write before the next day. And, yeah, it was really, like, educational and, like, really push me to write which I don't usually I'm a very lazy writer I'm like I'll do this maybe <laughs> next week so it was like it was, yeah it was really great experience it's so true it was like there was no time for procrastination yeah which yeah. is something that I struggle with in real life <laughs> yeah. but in the you know the secluded bubble of critics campus there was no space for it I mean it's fine I, there's no there was no time for procrastination and yet we stayed up till 1 30 <laughs> making a video but anyway yeah. that was part of it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Um, it, it's really social, and we're all hanging out all the time, which is really nice. And I know we're looking forward to the next week of being here to get to do that without the the, the added pressures of all the writing and everything as well. I think the first cu- it was the first two days that were the most intense. I think mm. I think it was after we handed in that first piece and that review that it sort of yeah. chilled out a bit, which was good. But yeah, it was. Like, even being in mentoring sessions where you have to, like, sit down for three hours and actually do writing so your mentor has, like, things to mentor you on. It was very, <laughs> Such a foreign concept. I know, literally. <laughs> like, sitting there being like, oh, I have, I have to write something in the next half hour. Meanwhile, me rocking up on day one with zero words for you. <laughs> Sorry, Philippa, is in the room as well right now. <laughs> I, think a, I think a lot of us hadn't went into it with absolutely no words written, at least with the first piece. Yeah. I like changed what my first piece would be on the first day, so I just like shot myself in the foot from day one. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. Is that because you were like encouraged to think differently by the critics' campus environment, and so you just you maybe thought you had an idea about what you wanted, and then it changed? Well, yeah, I think. I mean, for me in that case, it just came, became a bit more of a fluid process of like sitting down, talking to. Cameron Collins, who's my mentor, and being like, this is what I chose to write on, but I'd just seen Tommaso like two days before, and I was like, but this is what I want to write on. And a day after I'd seen Tommaso, I sat down and wrote like an introductory paragraph just to kind of see if I could write a review on that. And I think I showed them both to him, and he was like, one of them is clearly better, and it's the Tommaso piece. But um, I think in general, like, the Critics Campus was, it didn't feel so rigid as that you couldn't talk to your mentor one day and change your piece and kind of mm. kind of work at exploring the kind of writing or the kind of films that you wanted to make your writing about so it encouraged would you say it encouraged all of you to i don't know bring like more passion into writing and think of it less as something like a task to do and you could like embed more of your own personality into it I would say I would say yes, but partly because I felt like I had the opportunity to take the 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 bit that I enjoyed about the writing was you know whatever I was feeling about the film, but the bit that daunted me was making it a review or making it into something that was functionally criticism. And so having someone, my mentor says, "Ah, just be like, okay, this is fine, but to actually turn it into a piece of criticism, you need to hit these marks." Um, 
and and of course all of that is is couched in this like there's no right way to write but but it was also just having guidance on those things that makes me feel like okay cool so now if i want to sit down and write something now i have an idea and a framework for for putting that into um into words that that I can still get all the pleasure out of it and the bit that I want to do and the bit that I enjoy without feeling, oh, I don't know how to actually phrase it or frame all of this or the things that I have to do. So that, that's that been the biggest, like, mind-blowing thing for me. Yeah, and I think it's, like, it's a real luxury to, like, have that space, like, a few days to, like, work out your ideas mm. and tease out, like, stuff and, like, have an editor that will, like, go through, like, every sentence you've written and interrogate it. Um, like I think like I've written for publications and stuff and you never really have that experience and time and it's like so valuable. It's like what makes you a better writer. Yeah, having that, um, just that expertise of the mentor there was just so helpful. Like, you know, writing, writing an email pitch and just having someone who, like I had Fiona Williams as my mentor um, and just have, she was fantastic and just having her to be able to read over the email and say, okay, well, this pitch is good, but here's how you could improve it. If I was an editor and I received this pitch, this is how I would react to that line. That was just so helpful. And like, I feel like you're so rarely gonna get that experience. It was the, it was the like tiny little technical details of stuff like that, that you just probably would have never known that clearly makes a massive difference, which is like, yeah, great. I think it like, that you kind of like look at really good criticism as this like far away distant thing because you like see a film and you sit down and you have all your thoughts with you and you feel like you have an interesting idea that you want to express and then I felt like going through this week at Critics Campus it like gives you all the tools you need to get to that end point of good criticism so it's like I have all these feelings and I could write them down but with all the tools we have now I can write them down and format them and articulate them and kind of express them in ways that are kind of informative to a reader, not just for yeah. me. Mm. Well, I think on that note, and to circle back to what we were talking about, like personal voice and passion versus a task, I think, if anything, what was really good about Critics Campus was that it taught us how to bring passion and personality mm. into the task. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. often, oftentimes criticism does have to follow, does have to tick boxes in many ways mm. in order to get across what it wants to get across, but it's about how do you bring your own spin and how do you bring your own worldview into that. I think it also made us like less precious or about our about our writing and like we don't take every like piece of criticism like really personally towards ourselves because like writing is like something where the structure has to like for criticism especially like the structure has to be functional and like actually unpack your feelings and like engage with the history of the film and all that and I think, yeah, so I felt like the our mentors across the board from what I've heard is that um, they've all kind of respected that we have a voice, but also want to guide us in a way that's, you know, that helps us hit those marks in a really effective way, yeah. Mm. And I think like, kind of, I don't know if like everyone felt this, but kind of going on that, I think it really emphasised that like the most important part about good criticism is the good idea. Mm. 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 And then the writing comes after that. As long as you've got the good idea, the writing can can be worked on it can be fixed it can be edited and a good editor will edit it but like you'll have a piece of good criticism if you come away from a film and have a good idea to write about i also i also found it to be i don't know about everyone else i think this is the case but i also found it to be a deeply validating experience i don't mean that in a, a, a self-indulgent way i mean because i feel like i came into it um with plenty of you know, imposter syndrome stuff, like feeling like I do not know what I'm doing, I don't know how to write this stuff, 
but beyond the actual kind of like um, chipping away and crafting my work and making it better or whatever with my mentor, also the kind of regular panels about the culture of the industry and what we were, you know, what was being looked for and that this work was actually sought, at, like it was that, that was something that people wanted beyond this kind of idea that you're writing into a vacuum and you have no idea what is going to be the, like I think, I think there's a lot of kind of um, a sort of magic that you have in your head that it's like oh you know that you're supposed to write the one great piece or something I, I, I just genuinely didn't even know where to start and seeing it kind of put into the pragmatic realities of actually editors, editors really are looking for work and it humanized yeah it really did yeah. for me because I totally agree with you it felt like some sort of distant world that like I wasn't ever going to really be a part mm. of and that I, I was here and that was over there and, um, yeah and because of that it made this seem like yeah people want to read your work yes. like and and there's places that want your work and and all of this just made it feel like yeah this is something very achievable like I can do this and I can enter into this world and I'll be I'll be okay <laughs> yeah. and also that the people who want your work are really approachable yes. and yeah. just yeah all of those opportunities to speak with them just one-on-one -on -one, that was really great as well yeah. networking <laughs> we love to network. <laughs> uh, should, should we, yes. sorry, Anders, yes. should sorry. we say hello to we're our eight yes. guests? <laughs> 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 yes, we should. Uh, so, Jamie, could you just introduce yourself and tell us your highlight of myth so far? I'm Jamie. I um, have never actually been published anywhere outside of the myth blog. Actually, I haven't been published in the myth blog yet right now as <laughs> but um you know, I, I guess I'm technically an emerging critic I like films if you haven't guessed that um and myth has been a blast it's honestly like difficult to pick um a, high, a highlight I mean I want to say critics campus but that's a cop out um but um you know what I'm gonna say critics campus that's been a highlight so um it's a cop out um, but also you have to excuse me for not coming up with a more intelligent answer. But yeah, no, it's really been um, just a fanta like fantastic experience and being able to just abuse my passport has been terrific as well. So, I mean, not being charged to like rearrange sessions, that's magical. Uh, any standout films? Oh, for Sama, I thought, was that your answer? Yeah, uh, yeah. Damn it. Um, you can still say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I'd like to... Um, I, I may as well bring attention to another film. I saw um, Swallow uh, a couple nights ago, and I think it has its problems. Um, I think sometimes it's a little bit too simplistic in how it portrays trauma and the patriarchy, but I think overall it's um, a really incisive look at like, you know, autonomy, and um, it's definitely the most visceral experience I've had in the cinema so far during this. And like, there's some really terrific and awful, like terrifically awful sound design in, in a great way. Like, <laughs> you hear, you know, this person swallow these like sharp objects, and the way it like sounds in her mouth as it rolls around her tongue and the back of her mouth, it's just incredible. And maybe Bennett. Um. Well. One thing I would be interested in knowing is what got you all into criticism in the first place? Why all films? Why? Where's this come from? I I did a bachelor in art history and curating and ended up majoring in film. Um, and I think by the end of that, realised that I wasn't too interested in entering into the art world. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I... I guess I've just, I, I'm doing my honours now in screen um, at Uni of Melbourne and I've just been doing academia for too long. 
Uh, and I, I just wanted to try or see if I can write in different formats and I don't know, give that world a go. I mean, you don't know if that you don't, you don't know if you don't like something unless you try. Um, talking about what got us into film, I think one common experience that a whole bunch of us had um, discovered earlier this week was that we got into film or our, our appreciation of film was really enhanced through Tumblr. Oh, yes! <laughs> From the years 2010 to 2013, specifically. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. I know, yeah. it was a um, <laughs> um, And specifically when I say Tumblr, I mean like David Lynch photos. <laughs> yeah, like one car wipe. <laughs> yeah. Every time I watch a movie, I'm like, what can I screen screen cap? Cap. <laughs> like, There's no way to post it anymore. I, I it's know. so sad. Except in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's so interesting that it became such like a breeding ground of, you know, definitely very over, overly simplistic like film appreciation, but still a form that helped us get into um, like deeper levels of thinking. Yeah. And I think often what we discovered was that it was almost like, a feedback loop. It was like we, it was like we watched our first film, and then we like sought out more materials about it. That was because it was our favorite film, and then went on Tumblr, and then watched more films and found more materials, and it just became this like weird cycle of never-ending fandom, but also <laughs> yeah. increasing, yeah. you know, understanding. Yeah, and also like shaping your discovery and stuff. Like that's what I really found. Like I came to so many things just like fresh, just like from seeing like a picture or a gif or something, and. And that's how I found criticism as well. It's like I watched something mm. and I was like blown away by it, and then I'd go online and like read about what people had said about it, and then I, you know, and that's like shaped my understanding of the film. Like the only way that I got into criticism as well was also through Tumblr. And then I remember in high school, um, we actually had this like high school magazine, and then <laughs> I applied to be the film writer for the magazine, and then literally just like spewed all my takes that I'd read on Tumblr onto the pages of the magazine. I was like. Blue Valentine, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you like. I used to write like my opinions yeah. on Tumblr, and then I would get so many likes, and like I was like, this is so validating. Like they care about my opinion, and then that's yeah. I was like, gorilla. Yeah, yeah. I was the same as well. Like I remember being like thirteen or something, and being like, Lou Reed, underrated. <laughs> uh, I feel bad because I'm like the only one who wasn't on Tumblr. No, right? Also, I, I feel like I, I really, yeah. I really, uh, yeah, I really I missed the boat. My access point to it has been, I've just been doing film stuff for the last forever, but because um, I've been doing it at uni for a while, I finished uni, um, and then I, I work at a cinema in, um, in Sydney called Golden Age, and the programmer is Kate Jinx, who was down here this week as well. Um, and Sorry, that you work there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the projectionist, which is a fun job. Um, but I, but it, it just meant that I was coming into contact with kind of new and interesting releases all the time, um, and I, I think I was talking about them with people who worked there all the time. So I just felt at a certain point, um, and also after getting very nice encouraging advice from um, Debbie of Rough Cut and also Mikey and Claire, I decided to you know take the leap and, and do the criticism stuff, and it's been really great. So that's my not so interesting journey, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I don't, like, cause my relationship to films was kind of similar with the Tumblr thing, that it was through the internet, but I always, like grew up in Bendigo, I felt like, film was this big outside thing that I like was bigger than Bendigo because you you know you like your your world is small in a kind of small town and so I would just like research all the different weird like foreign films that I'd never heard of and had all these big I don't know if this is like a universal thing of like you know you like 
you know who Woody Allen is, and then you know that he likes Fellini, and then you know that Eight and a Half exists, and it's just this like big weird film that you'll maybe never see or you think you'll never see. And so I felt like when I was young, like the film was this like entire plane of existence that was just like unattainable. And then one day when I was able to, it was literally like the day after my birthday, I could hire out MA15 Plus films. <laughs> <laughs> I went in, I got Mulholland Drive, I got Silence yeah. of the Lambs, I got like. <laughs> what else did I get? I think it was maybe seven or something. And I just like watched those three films and I was like, this is a bit of something. <laughs> it, is, it is sad though that even our generation, which is young, the next generation does not have that video store. Oh, yeah. yeah, and like I, I also grew up in a small town and yeah, the video store is just so yeah. important. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Video yeah. Easy. Yeah. 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 Like Civic my, video. Like my um, mom and I, when they were doing that sort of transition from VHS to DVD and there was this sort of point in time where there was so many copy, like VHS copies in um, like Vinnie's stores um, and they were selling them for like 50 cents we just absolutely gobbled them all up and we have like so we've got like I, I think I, I catalogued it at one point it, it was a probably 1,000 plus of VHS. And then someone the other day told me like, oh, people are paying a lot of money now for uh, VHS copies of Disney. I'm like, what? I, have so many. <laughs> I was like, also what? Yeah, cause it's <laughs> never gonna sell. Because they're in the vault, that's why. Well, if you keep it for another 10 years, yeah. it's gonna be like tenfold the price the even. Be so. The best thing about it, is the ads as well because yeah. it's couched oh, in a good. specific period of time that it's just like oh yeah anyway it, it's just amazing i found that like for me curation was so important to like how i became like someone who you know is now writing about films like i think back in 2015 i was still in a phase where i thought like die hard was the greatest film of all time it probably it's, it is a great <laughs> film but you know it was still quite limiting like i realized that the asset theater existed and then i like looked at the program and I went you know, there's some amazing films on this which I've never heard of and I just kind of went through and like even if I didn't, didn't go to see them on the, at the outside, you know, there were other ways to look at those films. Um, and then the asset closed down, but you know, it got back up again and, um, you know, and then I realised stuff like the Cinematheque existed and um, I just thought like the, the kind of film culture we have in Melbourne is really, um, it's really fantastic and it was really like an instrumental part in how I came to really love film and it really broadened my um, horizons, I guess. This is the first year that I've done, like, I'm a member of Cinematheque and mm -hmm. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, and I, it's just so sad to think that it's not the type of institution that is in every state because I've learned so much <laughs> from that. But also just, I love just coming, I usually go after uni and I'll just go and I don't, I don't really like watching trailers too much, specifically with, um, like at the Cinematheque, I won't see what's playing because I like just going in and just mm. figuring it out for myself. I feel like that is a bit of an issue I find at the moment is that people will read too much beforehand and then not allow themselves to have their own experience with it. But also watch a bad film. Yeah. Like you don't know what bad film is unless you watch bad films. So <laughs> like, <laughs> Bad films like inspired my love for film, honestly. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like I don't, I don't feel super 
super strongly, like strong hatred or anything towards a film because I often, I mean, that's a good way of looking at things. I don't feel like you can blanket, blanket something. There's always redeeming qualities, even in a bad film. <laughs> film criticism, I come from like a fiction writing background, but I've always, like, it's really funny because like I feel like a lot of my writing has always been inspired by film more than like other books because I've just grown up watching like movies all my life. And um, that's how I've like kind of connected to like my culture as well, because like my dad and I would always watch Chinese movies together, and yeah, and, and then so I think uh, when I was reading a lot of criticism, I realized that a lot of them were very like lyrical and like kind of used like creative conventions, and I'm like I can maybe do this, and it's just been like the struggle of like knowing like what the difference is and how to make like an assertion with criticism as opposed to kind of like telling a story, yeah. That actually reminds me of, of actually I think one of the first steps into me liking like loving film is that like my dad just recapping films for me when I was like seven <laughs> years old and like the films would also include Silence of the Lambs and that used to terrify me. Oh my god! Um, but also it was actually interesting you know seeing what they what sort of pop culture they consumed as soon as they got to Australia and like yeah no I thought that was yes yeah, so it was a really interesting kind of perspective that I got as well. But I think that's been uh, like thread throughout this whole week is how interdisciplinary this uh, like criticism can be even within arguably I mean a small world not, not really but like I mean you I mean I think a lot of us love the video essay panel but also the broadcasting aspect I, I like just seeing all the different spheres and how you can create create your own work your own um, artwork essentially in the process of doing it. Yeah. I was just also interested where people stand on Letterboxd with regards to like... I didn't know what it was. My, <laughs> uh, my, my cousin, my younger cousin, <laughs> my younger cousin told me about it and was like, you should get on this. And then I, I eventually got onto it and I looked at his account and he'd written 1,000 plus words on um, Toy Story 4. It's and I was like, Okay, I love it, but I hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I love this, but I hate it. I feel like it's really different now, though. It's yeah, like yeah, it's very like definitely. film twittery now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm guilty of this because <laughs> all my reviews are one word jokes, but <laughs> and that's why I have followers. <laughs> but still, yeah. Like, like when I started on going on Letterbox, like that was definitely a like huge like I would not have written like film reviews if it wasn't for that. And I think yeah. that like for like mm. literally like all of year 11 and 12 I would review every film I saw and there were all like 300 400 word reviews and they were absolute trash but like <laughs> they were like really it was kind of like just having the freedom to like almost have your own little film blog yeah. Mm. Yeah. and then people follow you and then you you feel like you're not speaking into the void I think like I don't know because I don't use it as much now for that purpose yeah but like I do think for a lot of people like that even just going onto a film you've liked and reading a really good review that like really articulates things in you in a way you've never thought to articulate them and then going on that person's profile finding their list of favorite films because I would do that a lot and you'd be like I've never heard of this film before I've never even heard of this director before and you just kind of go through these these lists and and journals of other people's tastes and I think that was really it's a it's a really good site for that yeah, for like for curating especially. Yeah, because yeah. like all the lists actually like inspired me like so much to like look for things because it'd be like things like you know the teen movies where this happens or like really specific <laughs> stuff. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's so good to have that practice though, of like going and like blogging like mm-hmm. 400 words like a week or something. Like that's really great. Yeah. Um, if I can offer a <laughs> controversial <laughs> opinion, <laughs> I, I don't think it's that controversial. I, 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 I've heard your opinion on Letterboxd. Anyway, you should just say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to preface this by saying that I don't actually have Letterboxd, so <laughs> I'm saying this at risk of sounding like a boomer. But you, <laughs> but you visited the site and read people's stuff on Letterboxd. I have. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So I've like accessed the yeah. website, <laughs> the you URL. Read my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really hate Letterboxd. But I feel like I hate it almost conceptually rather than like <laughs> a, in like actual execution. <laughs> I feel like in my mind I've built up Letterboxd um, as like just almost like it's just like another unnecessary social media platform where it feels to me a little bit artificial in how people are broadcasting their views. And obviously I don't think that's the case for everyone. I mean, like I think obviously if you're having your own like authentic experience with you know blogging or having a space for that i think that's perfectly fine but i've just seen so many letterboxd accounts where it's like favorite film yeah pulp fiction and it's like all their views are shaped around this like very film bro-y yeah. kind of sense and i think that but when you when, so i, I yeah. don't want to speak your own words yeah. but when we talked about this before you also said one of your issues with it was that you felt like it was showy just people cataloging look at all these movies i've seen that you haven't and that kind of like yeah well i feel like on the flip side of that is that i feel like if i were to get on letterboxd i would feel constantly judged for what i have or Mm -hmm. or hadn't watched um but i did like what cameron said earlier in the week where he was like a a good angle to see that is that it almost by like by the act of people like him who are so prolific in the film industry like actively broadcasting gaps in their film knowledge, it kind of gives a sense mm-hmm. that it's okay to do that. Um, if you were to judge me based on Letterbox, I've seen one film. So, <laughs> and what film is that? Uh, a, a niche Iranian film. So really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, act- actually, it actually, it actually, it actually kind of tracks, to be yeah. honest. But it goes to different high school, but yeah. I don't think you know that. <laughs> so that was the first film you saw. Ever, 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 yeah, ever, yeah. I honestly like it just purely to remember what I've watched because mm. I have yeah. a horrible yeah. memory. Mm. Yeah. I have a horrible memory. If it's just a personal kind of experience, if you don't like engage with the social media aspect of it, I think it's terrific. But it's, like I don't have it, but it seems interesting to me that like you have that sort of like it's a platform where you can organically like discover stuff. Like so, yeah. like it's like you go onto different pla- like people's accounts and like you can like find stuff and like. It's not like dictated by an algorithm, and I sort of wonder, like, about like young people, like, like how that, like, those streaming services and algorithms will like shape their tastes. Because yeah. I feel like I've come to a lot of stuff like through the internet, but it was, you know, through like my own like, like ser- yeah, like searching and like finding stuff myself and. People get stuck yeah. in, I think, echo chambers, just cultural echo chambers, which sucks. I try and. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's horrible. I'm, I'm so glad that, like, you know, we've raised, like, this entire generation of, like, teens and young adults who have been raised on A24 movies, but sometimes they're just like... Oh, <laughs> don't knock A24, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not knocking A24, I think they're terrific. But There'll also, be no A24 critique in this room today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we exactly what I mean. I know, um, but... I think <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sun brought to you by A24. <laughs> 
I would like to clarify. If A24 would like to pay me, I'm more than happy to take that job. We will all work for you, please. Um, and I think the work that they do is terrific, and I love what they've done on social media to really bring like you know, teenagers into their films. Yeah. Someone needs to do like a really big like New Yorker A24 story. I can't believe they haven't done one yet. Yeah, I, was I know. The I want the, I want the, the, <laughs> the goss. I want the goss. Yeah. But there are times when I'm just like, you know that like directors like exist outside of like Greta Gerwig, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's amazing, but also other people exist. There are other companies as well that, you know, release and distribute films. It's like, yeah. yeah. Go off. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I want to um, just bring the convo back to critics. <laughs> I mean, I love all of this because this is all related to how you now approach criticism or how, you know, how we think about the future, which is super, super important. Um, but I just wanted to get an idea, like, do you think when you attend MIF next year, having done this, do you think you're going to approach it differently than you did last year before you had done this? Are you going to think about films in a different way, specifically? Well, we have to pay to fly down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be more inclined to, uh, I guess, review a lot more of the films. I mean, I, I did, uh, I got a pass last year didn't occur to me at all to write on any of the films um but also i guess the 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 time frames in which we had to write our pieces sort of got us used to the festival format and having to watch a film and then review it to be given like to an editor like that next morning um which i think is good the time frame is good it forces you to get exactly what you were feeling from it out onto a page, which I find is the best, always where the best idea or, or the, the best articulation of the idea comes. Uh, I reckon thinking very like pragmatically about criticism and how to approach a festival in that sense, one of the biggest takeaways from Critics Camp is, was how to dissect a festival program mm, in yeah. terms of what films to write about that would actually appeal to not only a publications editor but also an audience. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think like keeping those things in mind when looking at next year's program would be very interesting for us. Do you mean like what's getting a theatrical release? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. what's getting theatrical release but also what films are going to actually relate to broader issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, like what's yeah. timely. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it's very much like we're going to look at the catalogue, uh, the, the, um, yeah, the catalogue or whatever it is, and it's going to be like, how can we monetize this? You know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut that out. We are most of Critics Campus down the line I also think just like, socially it makes me excited to go to MIF again, because like I know so many more people who are going to be yeah. there, and like, it's like, even going to Cinematheque now, I feel like, I, I know double the people who go to Cinematheque than I used to. I don't know you go to Cinematheque. Oh, I, I really go to Cinematheque. Why didn't you tell me I've been trying to find a Cinematheque buddy all year? I have been avoiding you intentionally. <laughs> 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 like, legitimately, you all need to go to Cinematheque. I'm so glad that this is the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have, I have, like, I mean, I will have to, like I said, fly back down for MIF next year, but I, I do think two, one of the, sort of two takeaways for me, one, is that when I've picked uh, films at festivals in the past, I have, because I've been going primarily as a kind of audience member and not thinking so much as a critic, my objective has been to go to try and find films like when I'm reading through the program that I think I'm going to like. Mm. Whereas now, coming at it from the perspective that I might be able to find something interesting to say even if I don't like the film, mm. I'm kind of just going to pick, you know, like I'm just going to yeah, be much yeah, more open yeah. to not trying to find things that would I think would appeal to me and just find things. Which I feel like is the attitude that everyone 
should have. We, we should, like, we should, yeah. we should. But it's also, Not I mean, enough, I mean yeah. I, I, it's also, it was also just, you know, resources, like I only have so many tickets, whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but the other takeaway I would say is that um, I, while I have watched screeners and doing reviews and stuff like that, I also think there's just like a particular pleasure to seeing it with all of you, but also just yeah. in the cinema and that social environment. And, I, and I'm feeling like I'm interested in, in particularly writing about that and what mm. it's like to watch. Because I just thought like that first night that we all saw in My Blood It Runs Together, mm. it was so nice. Like yeah. we're all sitting in that <laughs> row together. Even the don't die, like just like hearing certain parts of the audience laugh at things that I was just like, why are you laughing? Yeah, <laughs> literally. I'm so confused, and it's good because it gets an idea of the type of people that are attracted to a film like that, which is important. Film festival audiences, it's it is like just like you were saying, like it's so great. I feel it's the only time you ever go to like really specific niche like Romanian art house film, and it's like a full house. You know, it's like, what are we all? What are we all seeing here? Like, what are we? What is? What, what brought us here? What brought us here? Like, who? What's the uniting factor that? us young people, boomers, and like <laughs> everyone who are just sitting in this crowd, what made us come to this film? Mm. I just always think that. And even the walkouts are interesting. Like, yeah. s- like just seeing when people walk out and wondering why, and if like even that sort of effect of like if one person gets up to walk out and then other people follow, mm. like that's really interesting as well, just observing the way the crowd reacts to things on screen. This is what my piece on Tarantino is about, mm. plug. <laughs> <laughs> why do people walk out when 20 minutes to go? I always just am so confused. I'm like you've you've really you've sat through the like first ninety minutes. You can really do the last twenty. Like if you want to hate it, hate all of it. Well, like, I feel like for some people it's like like I've already watched ninety minutes. Yeah. Like like ninety minutes is quite a long long commitment, especially because I think some films and during Present Perfect. I think everyone expected it to end at 90 minutes. Yeah. But instead it went on for another 35 minutes. Which is why I think uh, like after there was a, a solid break, after the 90 minute mark, people just walked out because they it had so far extended yeah. Yeah. our yeah. expectations already. But that still makes no sense to me. You have people who will happily binge an entire season of like television, but like 90 minutes? It's this weird, yeah, it's this weird phenomenon where we, where we want everything to happen immediately and we're impatient, but we also insist on having two to three hour films now. Like, that's that's an, that's normal. Yeah, totally agree. Um, we're going to have to wrap up, but before we do, have any of you walked out of a movie? No. no. Never, but I wish no. I had. Yeah, there's a couple that I should have. I wish I did too, yeah. <laughs> at some points. I think I'm very much a completionist as well. Like, yeah. Even when I hate something, I'm like, I invested time, money into this, and like, well, into no. the story as well. well but, I mean, but, you're, yeah. like where you said, know why you hate it. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the I want to know. Thing, yeah. like. But I just want to clarify that I feel like I, I, I agree to an extent, but I also do understand there are there are there's a different kind of walkout that's yeah. about not being yeah. able to deal with the oh, film. Yeah, some of yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And, we, and we, I'm worried because I think we 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 sometimes um, are conflating the two things, and I think there's a lot of pieces that have been written about people walking out that are not recognizing the difference between a I didn't like the movie walkout and a I'm very upset by what I'm seeing yeah. walkout. Yeah. 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 Well, Andy, you mentioned in the screening yeah. of the Nightingale, yeah. someone <laughs> walked out and yeah. someone next to you called them a bulls. Yeah. Like, said that in yeah. the middle of the yeah. I think that's messed up. Yeah. 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 There's want. a lot of triggering content yeah. in films and it's yeah. entirely up to your discretion whether yeah. you're able 
like don't force yourself through a, like yeah. a horrible yeah. experience and especially like a film with like that's like so triggering as well and like has a lot of like sexual violence like how could you just call someone a wuss not knowing yeah. like what their experience yeah. is yeah. or like what they bring to the film like, yeah. absolutely. no no piece mm. of art is more important than your mental health than like Definitely. taking care of that yeah yeah, that's a good life advice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I think yeah. we're done. I think so too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Critics Campus, for the free drinks. Yeah. <laughs> we're feeling it today. Yeah. Uh. Do you guys need us to record any ads about like mattresses? Movie Australia subscription. Yeah. 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 I hundred percent. Um, this um, episode of Cultural Capital. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.